When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey y'all, this is Josiah Gray and this is Half Street High Heat. Hope you enjoyed today's episode. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Half Street High Heat. I am Nick. I am joined by Amanda tonight. Ryan has selfishly decided to go on vacation, but he's worked hard. He deserves it. But we have a very special episode for you as we are doing our first ever roundtable. And this is going to be of the Half Street High Heat team variety as we are joined by Tyler and CK. Give them a follow at non-roster invite and CK name 58. Did I get that right? Uh, Naeem, sir, is how you pronounce that. I am so sorry. So sorry. Don't worry, it happens all the time. Yeah, you are. It happens all the time. (laughs) But I I got the actual, like, uh, handle right. You got the at. Okay, that's that's what matters. That's what matters. Okay, give them a follow. There's a lot of great content. Tyler will probably piss you off here and there. Um, But overall, he's a generally uh, pretty good follow. But how are you guys doing? It's been a while since uh, we've had you on. You know what, man? I'm chilling. (laughs) <laughs> you know i'm just committed to the tank like the nats are you know watching some high quality baseball you know? yeah i don't know it's that basically sense. it's basically yeah, what but... it comes down to <laughs> yeah high quality i mean i just yeah, turned on the game the, the baseball is not very high quality but you know no it's all right i turned on today's game just to watch lane thomas and he did not disappoint me yeah the team yeah. did but he did. It. I was listening in the car as I often am on the weekends because I work a lot on the weekends. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Thomas was, he was good. He was good today. I, I try in the yeah. tank situation we're in now to just enjoy the little things, like not worry so much about the outcome and just look for, look for good things to take away. Pressure-free baseball. Pressure-free baseball, as Ryan would say. Yeah, so it's crazy how the Nats already won that trade. Yeah. Exactly. Was it, I think uh, was off the roster. Todd Dybus had a hysterical tweet where as soon as Lane Thomas hit that first single, he was like, and with that single, the Nats have won the trade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I'm surprised they even got like a living, breathing body for John Lester, let alone one that actually has upside and control. Yeah. Like, yeah. Or <laughs> Rizzo Cardinals thinking. I don't know. Anybody with a pulse and a social security number was a good 
was a good trade. There are two deadline reinforcements were John Lester and Jay Happ. Like, what are you doing? So, that's like something the that Nats would do. Like one of their half-assed buys that they precisely. Used precisely. <laughs> they're they're trying to win the 2013 uh, NL pennant. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> All right, but let's get into it because this is kind of basically what this roundtable is going to be about just thoughts and opinions and how everything's gone down and how everything will go down. We're going to start right there. What did you guys want the team to do at the deadline? And what was your reaction to the deadline? Um, You know, I wanted them to sell all the way. It was clear, um, you know, until up until like the end of May, beginning of June, obviously they had that hot streak where Kyle Schwarber was God for like a month, but it was just clear that this team just didn't, it was not a championship caliber roster, as Mike Rizzo said, you know, it was clear that there was no real piece that was going to put them over the top of the deadline. Um, you know, they talked about Chris Bryant, you know, talked about some other guys, but, you know, just a Chris Bryant wasn't going to do much for this team. So I thought, you know, selling was absolutely the right decision to do. And, you know, I didn't expect them to do a full-blown sell like they did, even if they sold off, you know, Max Scherzer and some other pieces, you know, that would have been, you know, okay. But, um, you know, props to them. They completely did the exact thing I wanted them to do. CK, what about you? Yeah, that's pretty fair. I think the same thing. I really thought this team had some magic in them when Schwarber on that hot streak, but the moment he got hurt, we all knew it was over. So, yeah, I was very much on the sell train. I did not expect them to trade Trey Turner. I was expecting them to sell off Max, Brett Hand, Daniel Hudson, and call today. They sold off everyone. Even Jan Gomes has gone, and I didn't think that was happening, but it was beautiful, and a lot of people have used the term fire sales they usually do to describe it. My problem is, if you look up the definition, fire sale is a cheap sale, like way like you undervalue things and sell them. This is anything but undersell. We got top value for all of these guys just the fact like i said we got a living breathing human for john lester and he has upside like i'm sorry but this is the greatest thing this team could have possibly done yeah i completely agree with that and uh also if we checked in on old friend brad hand i don't know if you guys saw his last outing <laughs> he walk came into <laughs> a he came into a tie game and with the bases loaded and promptly issued a four pitch walk to walk in a walk-off run <laughs> it was just I think he, you know, honestly, I think he pitched sorry, tonight. Guys, so me. let me see. You guys are talking. Um, what are you going to say, Tyler? Uh, I was going to say, you know, honestly, Brad Hand got a little too much hate from Nats fans. You know, he had his blown saves, he had his bad outings, but those really only came when Davey was throwing him out there for multiple innings. Like, typically in the ninth, you know his whip was pretty high you know he was he never had like a clean inning but you know I think he got a little bit more hate than you know he was really destined for but you know I'm still glad they traded him and got an actual piece for him yeah I I think that's fair he was very much bend don't break and then it was only when you overused him uh like Tyler said for multiple innings that he broke and there were several times that Davey kept doing it I don't know why CK did he pitch tonight yeah, he did. He pitched the sixth inning. The Jays beat the Mariners tonight, eight to three. Yeah, pitched the sixth inning. He gave up one hit and had two strikeouts. So nice. he seems to be better in the not ninth bad. inning, as you pointed yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. 
<laughs> immediately demoted from uh, from a high leverage closer. Yeah, I was like, Montoya was like, I'm not doing that shit again. Right. That's crazy to think, though, that they signed him. I was excited when they signed him in the offseason. It was the best available reliever. They needed a left-handed um, reliever after, you know, Doolittle's departure. I had... I don't know. Not, I didn't think he was going to be a world beater or anything, but I had much higher hopes for Brad Hand than than he ended up. Yeah, performing. I mean, if you if you listen to, I mean, I know you guys listen, but just for anyone listening now, if you listen to us earlier in in the uh, season, I think this was probably before the season started. Uh, Ryan highlighted a lot of the concerns for Brad Hand's regression, and we saw some of those come to fruition. He wasn't necessarily he was a good closer he was arguably an all-star and then kind of after the break is when the wheels fell off a little bit for him but uh there was signs of regression there even before him which is why he only got a one-year deal from the Nats of all teams to begin with but um did you guys have I know you mentioned the uh, Lane Thomas trade that's kind of an easy one because (laughs) getting rid of John Lester is a win in itself and getting something for him is a win and getting something promising for him is just the biggest win of all time. But aside from that deal, did you guys have a favorite trade that went down and one that you're, you're excited for uh, how it's going to shake out in the future? Um, I mean, the easy one to say is obviously the Trey Turner and Max Scherzer trade, you know, getting uh, Josiah Gray and Kiber Ruiz back. But I think a sneaky underrated one is Daniel Hudson for Mason Thompson, um, you know, getting a rental reliever. I mean, obviously Daniel Hudson was having a very good year. But, you know, Mason Thompson was the Padres, if I'm remembering correctly, the number nine prospect in their system. So that is a pretty decent haul for a rental reliever. Um, and I think, you know, people are kind of sleeping on that trade a little bit. Jordy Barley's pretty good, too, so far. Yeah, right? Jordy Barley, I mean, he was – Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that, CK, because like, he was part of that deal, too. And he was mainly like a steals threat. Wasn't hitting all that well, but – when you have, I think it was 33 stolen bases in high A at the time of the deal, and then he immediately comes over for uh, Fredericksburg and is doing the same thing, but adding offense to that, that's pretty promising too. CK, what about you? Riley Adams straight, easy. I don't know what it is about the kid, but I absolutely love him so far. I called that home run that he hit uh, the last week. I think it was the last time we won a game. I typed his one hit so far. (laughs) Yeah, this Adams home run is going to go insane. Then he did it. I think he has infinite upside if uh, this shakes out because we have a bit of a catcher dilemma with uh, Ruiz, Adams, and uh, Trust Barrera. But I can see him being a really stable backup catcher. And considering what we got him for, I'm really excited to see what he has. Yeah, this is yeah. a this is a good one. There's there actually are so many, I and mean, when you when you recover a little bit from the shock of it all, and actually digest what they got, um, I'm kind of with Tyler on this, and I'm pretty excited about Mason Thompson. I feel like as far as, I mean, he's not the most exciting return we got at the trade deadline, but if the question is like with the best trade for, you know, for a rental, uh, you know, a guy in Hudson who's having a very nice season, but isn't somebody, I don't know, I would have expected to get such a high prospect for, I feel like they got excellent value. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I remember they were talking about Mason Thompson as a potential piece in a Max Scherzer trade to the Padres. Mm-hmm. So getting him for Hudson, definitely a steal in my ass. Yeah, unless uh, unless what he pitches doesn't pr- impress you at all, and then uh, then maybe you, you wouldn't be. I don't know if you yeah, guys got that reference. <laughs> I'm really whatsoever. I'm really waiting for something because Kyle Schwarber made his uh, first. What, what, what they got his first hit tonight as a Red Sox. So I wonder how long it's going to take until we start seeing Alder Ramirez in the headlines. Is that his name? Is 
Yeah, Aldo Ramirez. Yeah, I'm wondering yeah, how uh-huh. he's going to do because he had nasty off-speed stuff. So I'm just waiting until we start seeing him. Well, just yeah. generally, again, credit to Mike Rizzo, which is kind of new for me still. Uh, he did a great <laughs> job of ba- balancing the acquisitions. Like, obviously, he got the headliners like Kibera Ruiz and Josiah Gray. Um, but he, we, the Nats really didn't have a catcher. Tres Barrera was doing great. Uh, for a stretch during the season, but he was never really a necessarily top prospect. He was, I think like 19th prior to the deadline in our system. And then if you add all the pieces we got at the deadline, he probably wouldn't even be top 30, but uh, he, he was doing well, but they really emphasized the catcher position. They got Kiber, they got Riley Adams. They got the catcher from Oakland, whose name is escaping me at the moment. Um, but then they got like the high upside prospects like aldo they got kind of there's no such thing as a safe prospect but they got uh someone with a little bit more experience or a little bit more major league ready like mason thompson so i think all in all mike rosa did a pretty good job yeah um, i agree yeah which as you said is weird because we, we we tend to hammer rizzo a lot it's new i'm getting used to it <laughs> it doesn't feel natural coming out of my mouth yet if yeah, i ever start yeah, like so- <laughs> If I ever start believing in Davy and like praising Davy, that's going to be like a whole new world for me. It's like speaking a different language. Yeah, I'm going to think but, you yeah. got body snatched. Oh yeah, yeah it's like quick, uh, go for it. Real quick, uh, we haven't talked about this yet, but of course we had the two headlining pieces in the Scherzer trade. Donovan Casey is ripping it up in Harrisonburg. Yep. Oh so yeah, we have that to look forward to. There's as well. so many names that I'm just forgetting about. Like I completely forgot we got prospects from Oakland from Yango and uh, Josh. Yeah, Harrison. I forgot like, about. I them just too. completely forgot about that trade. Yeah, and so that I have was, to keep track of. <laughs> it was it was smart of them to package Gomes and Harrison together because by themselves they probably wouldn't have netted much in return. But packaging them, they're right. both very serviceable, and you got three solid prospects from Oakland. And obviously, there's a history there trading with Oakland between Rizzo and Bean. So great job by Rizzo dipping into the well. But I enough. actually miss Harrison though. I really like Josh Harrison. He just brought yeah, life. Yeah, he he, he brought the good life, unlike Gerardo Parra, who brings who brings whatever brings the rage to that. Nick. That's what he life. brings. <laughs> he brings the if rage to any Nats like... fan under the age of fifty. Yes, I mean, but at the same time, you know, it's not my cup of tea. But he brings excitement to a certain let's call them group section of yeah. Nats fans, and that's really what they can. Only be and all they can for. do right now is try to put asses in seats. So right. from that perspective, and, and it does that. Yeah, yeah. and from that, I actually yeah. do understand why they're keeping him on the table. And he seems like a terrific human. I'm not, you know, I'm not here to disparage anybody, but I do not need him on my baseball team. Yeah, hopefully those asses in seats pays for Carlos Correa this offseason. Yes. <laughs> well, we'll get to that. Don't jump the gun. Um, but just looking at the team as currently constructed for the rest of the season, is there a certain player you guys are most excited for the rest of this year and just moving forward? Hmm. Uh, uh, CK, you want to go first? This time? Yeah. Yeah. I'll take this one. Might take me a bit to think about, but I don't know. It's really interesting because Victor Robles, like I'm going to last a couple guys, but Victor Robles in the leadoff spot is something I have been parading for the past two seasons. And he's finally looking good because Davey is actually putting him there. And it's like, wow, it's almost like we could have known this two years ago. But I think I'm really excited to see him in the leadoff spot, how he does. 
I want to see Carter Kibu move back to the to the right side of the infield. I feel like he looks better at second base than at second than at shortstop or third base. And I think once he gets going, he's going to be hot. So it's definitely going to be one of those two because they've definitely been getting uh, crapped on by Nats fans for the past couple of years. But if they're both put in the right position, then we'll be eating our words. Yeah, I mean, I'm Robles. He's been swinging the bat actually pretty well recently. Again, very, very small sample size he's shown those very small flashes but the thing with him is he just has to sustain it in my personal opinion his bat is a lost a lost cause but um you know if he can actually sustain it and make me my words i'd love that um carter keboom i was not expecting to play this well coming back up i mean he really is actually starting to show life again and i'm excited for him and then like you said ck i would actually love for them to move him back to second base but they also view garcia as a second base so, I mean, I don't really know what they're going to do there because Keeboom just looks extremely clunky at third base. But, I mean, hopefully they'll work with him. But, I mean, I, I'm, just, I'm just a huge fan of Josiah Gray and what he's done. I mean, the guy was a converted shortstop like DeGrom, and he just looks like as polished as ever at 23 years old, and it's insane. He's, yeah, he's only getting better, he's, too. I don't know. He's awesome. As a shortstop. <laughs> I'm yep. very excited about Josiah Gray. He's a fun one. I'm going to go with Ryan Harper, actually, who is, you know, friend of the pod. Um, but he's just been, I uh, saw, I think it was Matt, Matt Weirich, uh tweeted something earlier today that of pitchers with at least 20 innings um, and an ERA under one this season, it's Ryan Harper and Kendall, is it Gra- Graveman or Graveman? Graveman. 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 Yeah. Kendall Graveman. So that's it. Like, pitched at least 20 innings in an ERA under one. He's having a terrific season. And it's kind of overlooked because well, we you know, this, team's, this team's so terrible, but you know, he's, he's somebody I'm very excited about for the future. I, I think I'm excited to see what he does the rest of the season. And, and I'm really curious to see what he's got in, in the future of his career. We need to just That's, give him I did not already. expect Ryan Harper to, uh, <laughs> to be an answer, but I love it. <laughs> I'm looking for positives. I told you, I'm trying to be, you know, I always get so pissed when hey, we gave him love I'm, I'm our last to... episode. There, that's not yeah. like a, a, a shame pick. I just didn't expect it. Um, but with Victor Robles, I mean, I mean obviously Carter Keepum too. It's uh, pressure-free baseball. They're actually able to operate in a manner where they don't have to like live and die with every at bat, mm-hmm. right? This team is no longer contending for a world series, at least not this season, maybe not even next season. So they can really grow with the team as opposed to like trying to be an all-star level center fielder, third baseman, as soon as they get called up. So that's, that's very fair. Um, but with the team again, as currently constructed plenty of holes, we don't know when we're going to be competitive again. I'm sure they definitely want to be as soon as possible as most teams do. We talked about Mike Rizzo a little bit. Do you guys trust Mike Rizzo to not only pull off the rebuild, but to do so in a timely fashion, specifically before uh, Juan Soto hits free agency? Uh, CK, let's start with you. All right. Well, this is what I think about Mike Rizzo. We're going to do a bit of a throwback here. This is a dude who started off as a scout in the White Sox system and within three years was negotiating Frank Thomas's contract for the organization. I trust this man with the Nationals' life. A lot of people don't like him, especially on Nationals' Twitter. I think the criticism is especially unwarranted because he kept the team competitive for 10 years and it took us this long to find, for it to finally catch up to us. Uh, if there's anyone to trust I lead us through a rebuild, it is definitely Mike Rizzo. I don't think I can name five general managers better than him. Two, three, possibly, but 
I definitely have faith in him because he's already gotten us promising returns. He took one look at this at this team this year. Look at his his disgusted face up in the up in the stands. Told me everything, and he did exactly what he needed to do. He got us the return we needed. The only thing he needs to do now is find us a hitting coach, not named Kevin Long. If he does that, then he has all my faith. Pitching coach so, too. While we're at it, right <laughs> oh, back, Paul yeah. Manhart. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler, what about you? So, if you ask me this question. Question before the trade deadline, I would say no. I do not trust Mike Rizzo to least three old. You know, Rizzo, he's had he's had a pretty good track record as a GM when the Nats were competitive. But, you know, when the team started, you know, getting old and falling off, and then, you know, he was kind of making these like weird, unsustainable signings, you know, I was just kind of like the magic's kind of run out with him. You know, he doesn't know when to, you know, take his foot off the gas and step back. But, you know, after what he did, the trade deadline, you know, trade everyone that was breathing basically on an expiring contract and Trey Turner, you know, I can now see that he has that, you know, rebuild or retool mindset. And, you know, the thing I'm just worried about with him, I I think that he could pull off a good rebuild and retool, but I'm just worried that he's going to try to jump back into contentions too soon, like as soon as next year. I don't think the team is going to be ready as soon as next year to contend again. You know, they, they can go out and sign a big piece and then, you know, try to get more of those one-year deals to flip at the deadline and get more prospects. But, you know, if he really understands the timetable and, you know, tries to get this team competitive again in two or three years rather than trying to go all in again next year, then I would say, yeah, I, I would trust him. Counterpoint yeah. to that, though, wouldn't you want to be – competitive as soon as possible with Soto only under contract for three more years and you not knowing if he's going to be apparently Soto's destined for New York because of a cryptic Instagram post. So before Soto goes to New York, reliable source (laughs) before Soto goes to the Mets, (laughs) do you think that the Uh, Rizzo should should try to go as quickly as possible? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a good point. You know, I just don't think – I think the team has too many holes to compete next year rather than saying, like, I don't want to compete next year. I, I just think it's not realistic to compete as soon as next year. But that is a good point, though. You know, you want to make Soto happy as soon as possible, you know, so there's actually, like, an actual possibility that he stays, you know. Um, I think they can definitely be back by 2023. You know, if they pull it off and they're good again next year, great. You know, I just don't think – um you know, they have enough of a roster filled out for them to be competitive as soon as next year, but we'll see. Yeah, Amanda, what are I, your thoughts? I agree with that. I, I don't think next year's realistic. Um, you know, and, and Tyler, you make a great point. I think it would be a mistake to try to be competitive next year. Um, I think what he did this year, we talked before the season started when they were making their offseason moves this year, we talked about how he was obviously setting up for what just happened. He was signing all these guys to one-year deals. And I believe it was you, Nick, who made the point that you can see that he's setting up so that if they're in contention, they can buy. And if they're not, they have lots of pieces to sell. And so to, to go back to the original question, which is, do I trust Mike Rizzo for, for a rebuild? I'd say yes. And my opinion of him, like you, Tyler, changed quite a bit with this trade deadline. It made me think that in the past, a lot of these decisions that have been made may not have been Mike Rizzo's decisions. These we know, for instance, that he had a trade set up for Harper that was not that ownership vetoed. So, you know, it's not maybe that he didn't have the retool sell mindset in the past, but that he wasn't given a free hand to exercise it. 
and you know obviously this year he was i think if if they can do something similar maybe a big signing maybe correa somebody like that and a bunch of one-year pieces where again next year if they go on a run fantastic it'd be great to see them win but if it's clear that next year is not their year and i expect that it won't be then uh you know having another trade deadline where you can continue to restock the farm system and set up for the future and this is maybe going to be controversial but to me do i want them to be competitive while soto is still a national of course i fully expect soto will not extend here i fully expect they'll lose him as soon as he hits free agency but i also think that as generational a player as soto is knowing not knowing but feeling very sure that he won't be here after his rookie contract expires i don't know that they time their rebuild completely around him obviously you want to be competitive again while he's still here but i think that the team the franchise the 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 whole thing is bigger than just juan soto and they need to keep their eye on the ball which is if you're in the middle of a rebuild doing one year of a rebuild and then never really completing it because you want to be competitive for juan soto to keep him happy i think would be short-sighted yeah can't be the phillies yeah, yeah that's an excellent that's an excellent comp already better than them as far as farm system goes more promising um just i I know he just signed an extension prior to this year but after the conclusion of this year he'll have two years left on his deal do you have any thought to giving mike rizzo uh an extension or are you going to see how next year plays out before you even think of that no i would yeah, I only ask um, because it's going to be kind of hard to switch GMs and kind of mindsets in the middle rebuild. of a rebuild. Right. Yeah, you exactly. got to have the same guy throughout. Right. And yeah, they could obviously yeah, extend him, you know, after the 2022 season because he would still be under contract for 2023. But if you're going to trust him, that's what we're talking about. If you trust Mike Rizzo, why not give him an additional two years, make it a four year contract and let him have ample time to see this thing through. I would do that. I, I as CK pointed out, who's better out there? I mean, there's, there's a handful, but they're not but they're available. They're not leaving. You know, not right, exactly. Andrew Friedman or, or right. Zahidi over Who here, is, like, come on. Yeah. Come I on. always say that when you think about firing a coach or firing a GM, it's like, okay, maybe they don't, maybe they deserve it, but who, is there somebody better? Can you, can you do better than what you have? And if the answer is no, then you're just cutting off your nose to spite your face. I think Rizzo has shown I mean, he said some of these trades he pulled off were kind of mind blowing. I, I feel like you need to, you need to give him the opportunity. And if that's an extension, I would do it to complete this rebuild and see what he can do. We saw what he could do with the team the first time. And they, they contended for 10 years. You know, if you let him do a rebuild his own way, who knows what the future could hold. Yeah, I'd say that's fair. I mean, kind of my mindset as well. All right, before we get on to talk more about free agency, we got to talk about Manscaped. <laughs> these, we, talk, we talked before these, uh, we started recording. These Manscaped reads, they, they are something else. I'm going to go for <laughs> it, though. Do you like playing with balls? No, I'm not talking about footballs. I mean your balls. I guess I should read baseballs. This is a football copy, but we're a baseball podcast. Our friends at Manscaped, the global leaders in below-the-waist grooming, want you to shave your pubes with the Tom Brady of ball trim. Again, that should probably read like Mike Trout. The brand new Lawnmower 4.0, only the GOAT technology for the greatest balls of all time. When you're going towards the end zone, I guess going for a home run inside the park. I don't know. Home plate, something like that. Yeah, when you're trying to steal home, that 
bad connotation. I'm just going to keep reading. Make sure you use the right tools for the job and choose Manscaped. Two million men worldwide trust them to join the movement with our exclusive offer by using promo code HSHH20 for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. I promise you, you guys will not regret it. You hear from me all the time and you have Tyler and TK here. You guys are Manscaped users, right? Indeed. Great product. Indeed. I'm very impressed. I was impressed with the packaging first off, and it's very nice. Nice (laughs) pun. I was thinking the same thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, sometimes I'll just I'll just sit this one out. This is not this one's not. This this is not not you, Amanda. (laughs) Take a back seat. But yeah, if you want to have impressive packaging as well, go to Manscaped, use (laughs) promo code HSHH20 on the lawnmower 4.0, anything else you might like, I promise you there probably isn't a, uh, a product they have that you won't enjoy. So definitely go do that. Save yourself some money and uh, get what you need, get what you want. As I'm watching Trey Turner just steal a base and it's just, you know, memories. Talk to me. And Max Scherzer just hit a sack fly too. So it's just like, Oh my God. It, I said, don't talk to me. It, it's, it's all, all in one, all in one. It just, Memories, memories. If only those two were Nats, maybe it would be a, a little bit better than we are now. All right. Speaking of wishing guys were Nats, let's move on to free agency. Obviously, we're not competitive recently. We're 10 and 30 in our last 40, which is an absurd stat, by the way. Yeah, it's really just... We it was like, oh, and 40. Yeah, yeah. like, yeah. I actually forgot the last time they won a game today. Like, I was like, wait. It was uh, the Riley Adams home run game. Yeah, one out of the last 10, right? Which feels like centuries ago. Uh, Yeah, (laughs) it was. I think it was. (laughs) It was at least a week ago. Yeah, feels like a very, very long time. Also, sidebar, it's just funny that we traded Max and Trey to the Dodgers, and now Max and Trey are still beating up on the Mets and ruining the Mets' chances of winning the division. Just love Love it. it. They're still nationals at heart. Yeah, still nationals at heart, mm-hmm. still selling out. I love it. Um, all right, so they're not competitive right now. We don't know if they're going to be competitive in 2022, but we can certainly hope so. And obviously a big part of that is free agency. Do you guys have a player that you want to target in free agency? Tyler, I know you said Carlos Correa. I assume that's where you're going. But maybe free agency, maybe trade, maybe you know some other sort of move someone on the roster, someone in the minors. Are you guys looking at someone to uh, contribute to this roster on uh, in 2022? Yeah, I mean, so I said Correa or really any of the big shorts. I would love Corey Seager. Um, you know, Fair I think story. Hunter Story's having a down season, but I think he'd bounce back. But I, I just want Javi Baez. One of the big shorts. <laughs> no, I do not want Javi Baez. He's the most overrated player ever. But um, no, nah, I think – I just don't see them going after one of the big free agent shortstops for some reason, but the position player I do see them going after is Chris Bryant. Rizzo loves Chris Bryant. They would love his uh, defensive versatility. He can play basically everywhere, I think, except for like shortstop and um, catcher and pitcher, obviously. But um, I think Chris Bryant would be a real good deal for this team. Um, You know, his his bats um, come back around. Um, he can slot him in the middle of the order. He would give great protection for Juan Soto. Um, and then another underrated name that's also out there on the free agent market that kind of fits that Chris Bryant mold, but it's a little bit less is Chris Taylor. Um, you know, he's got the defensive versatility too. 
Um, he's a solid bat as well. He's from Virginia, so I mean, Virginia I think Beach, that's baby. Really name to watch too. Yeah, yeah I, I saw CK sons. give the give the thumbs up. I knew that's where he was probably going with uh, one of his yeah. remarks. <laughs> he went to a high school that is one of my high school's rivals, but dude, this place is loaded with baseball talent. I was going to say, I feel like you have connections to high school with everyone, mm-hmm. or like Pretty any much. <laughs> any baseball talent. Did you're you like, know that? Did you know that? Ryan Zimmerman, David Wright, Michael Cuttier, and Justin B.J. Upton all played on the same travel team. Michael who? Uh, uh, Michael Cuttier. Cuttier? Uh, Cuttier. <laughs> I said Cuttier, did I not? <laughs> like, what? It's Cuttier. It's Cuttier? Did I not know that? I didn't know that, huh? 100% he was before my Kedire, time, okay? Cuttier? He was before my time. I- I'm okay. sorry, but they all played on the same travel team, if you can believe it. And a hell of a travel team. It really was. Sorry. Uh, I yeah, connections all these people. His name was Yan, so it's all good. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, Michael Kadair was before my time, so I don't want to. I don't know how to pronounce his name, but anyway. <laughs> so there's a couple directions I would go with this. First off, this is a really this is something that's obviously probably not going to happen. But if we landed JD Martinez, like I would buy his jersey. Like I've wanted him two for so two long. Minutes. I've wanted him for yeah. so long. That man on my baseball I, I can't team. see that. But the question wasn't wasn't who do you think they'll get? It was who would you like them to get? So I think that's yeah, a fair. This is true. We have a DH oh. spot, then please, please get. It's not happening. But also, I would love to get Freddie Freeman just to piss off the Braves fans. Oh god, that would oh, be so great. God. He's my Sign favorite, not Nat in baseball. Nat I love. Sign Freddie Freeman, draft Drew Jones Jr., and you have yourself. So, oh man, the Braves <laughs> fans will be raving at that one. Yeah, they're gonna. I don't. They're already calling Juan Soto uh, racist things, so I can't even imagine what they would do. <laughs> no, all their all their Braves. Uh, you know, the meltdown lineage. would be epic. So glorious would be epic. Now, I correct me if I'm wrong. Does Nolan Arenado have an opt out? He, he does. If we're doing nuts. if we're doing non realistic but things you'd like to see, I'll, I'll throw I'll throw Nolan Arenado out there. I would be very surprised if he opts out. But he does technically have an opt-out. <laughs> so technically, he's a free agent coming up, potentially. He could be, yes. Yeah. But, I mean, so. he's having, like, a very mid-season for he his is, standards, so but, I right. can't see him. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, it's fun to dream about. It's fun to dream about. I think Chris Bryant's the much more realistic option, and I'd be thrilled to have Chris Bryant. Yeah. Um, I, I think, think it makes a lot of sense, too. I'm glad that, that Rizzo, going back to Rizzo for a second, resisted the temptation to try to get Chris Bryant and wait, you know, just wait for him to hit free agency and try to sign him then. I mean, yeah. if it helps, he's a Boris client, so maybe yeah. give Juan Soto, you know, that little extra. He also push. loves Davey. You've got the Davey connection. Yeah. I actually would not yeah, be that's that right. all surprised he does. for him to end up in that this offseason. The yeah, Davey connection think... is low-key strong, too. Yeah, that yeah. Is, that is true. Players love Davey. That's forward. the one thing I think really, really uh, speaks well of Davey Martinez is that his players love playing for him. The only problem is, anybody is that was is anybody that was on the Rays when Davey was there, like still on the team. I don't keep track of that. The Rays, I don't know no, they, they swapped out their roster like every two years completely. Yeah, so I don't even know. Oh, Davey yeah. was last there in 2015, <laughs> so like 2015. So I don't yeah. even. Know. Ba- Based My on my knowledge uh, of the 2015 Rays roster is a little shaky. I have to admit. Solely because of the Olympics, I found out Scott Casimir is in AAA for the Dodgers. I'm pretty sure. So uh, there's your answer. Random. Yeah. So you can get Scott Scott Casimir back. 
There's your Davy yeah, connection. Yeah, the, the, that's a pretty Nats move, to be honest. <laughs> like Alcides Escobar level move. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it really is. Yeah. I'm surprised we didn't trade for Eric Hosmer to take the, his contract. Oh my god, dude! I would like if it netted us a very good prospect. I wouldn't have been mad, but like, yeah, Eric like Hosmer Mackenzie sucks. Gore. <laughs> that contract I mean, is terrible. Yeah. Oh, um, Mackenzie Gore is a cooked product too. I don't know about that, but. All right, Ryan Weathers or oh Ryan uh, Weathers, yeah, Ryan Weathers would have been well. Good, but, knowing yeah. the Nats, it probably would have been like Eric Hosmer and Chris Paddock or something. But oh, oh my god. god, I would have <laughs> quit right there. <laughs> uh, one name I just have to throw out there before we move on because no one has mentioned it yet, and that's Marcus Semyon. To me, Marcus mm-hmm. Semyon makes mm-hmm. the most mm-hmm. sense out of all yeah. the options because he's not going to command the. He'll probably command the AAV because he's having a phenomenal year, but he's not going to command the years. And if you're trying to base your timeline off of soda free agency, for example, because you know, the straws contract Corbin contract are about the same time length, you know, you can give semi in a three or four year deal. And then you would have a hard reset in what, 2025, 2026, something like that. So I think, he would be perfect if you're trying to compete, but also if you need to have like an out, then uh, his contract wouldn't be, you know, wouldn't anything an too albatross. major. Yeah, right. Exactly, an albatross. Which this team already we has a couple of those. too many of. Yeah. <laughs> Very too, too many. Looking oh at you, God. Patrick Corbin and Steven Strasburg. Very, very Lord. quickly. Yeah, I learned that thoracic out syndrome is actually common in pitchers. So I at least. At least there's recovery. Uh-huh. Yeah, no he's gonna come back. He's gonna be throwing like 88 on his fastball, and I'm just gonna be like, God damn it, dude! Like, what happened? Well, we're it's... gonna talk about Strauss and Corbin in a minute, so we'll. Right. Well, yeah. Yeah, let's let's just jump to it now. It, it, it's okay. obviously any hope of competing soon kind of lies with Strauss and Corbin. You can't really invest too much back into the rotation to completely overhaul it with those two on the roster and obviously those two on the payroll. Do you guys have any faith in Strauss regaining his health at least long enough to really matter and Corbin regaining his stuff long enough to really matter? Tyler, what do you think? I mean, it's tough because we've just seen the track record with Strauss and his injury history, you know, cause I, I just don't want to predict anything. I mean, I honestly, you know, think if we get 50 to 100 innings from Strauss next year, we're lucky. I mean, and that's just the way it is at this point. You know, I, I'm rooting so hard for the guy to come back to this, you know, and hopefully return to as close a form as he was before. But, you know, I'm not going to get my hopes up for him. As far as Corbin, I honestly just hope he figures something out this offseason. You know, we, we knew this con- the back end of this contract was going to be bad. We didn't know it was going to hit this soon. So I'm praying. You know, the front end of the contract was going to be the back end of the contract. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Exactly. Like, yeah, no, I'm I'm hoping he can just figure something out. You know, his, like I said earlier, his stuff has looked better recently, but he's still getting into trouble with his command. Um, You know, he's still giving up the home run ball, like every single start, like he's just leaving pitches right down the middle. So, you know, I would say I have more faith in Corbin to regain it than Strauss just because it's not injury related with Corbin. He kind of just sucks. But I mean, if he figures it out, you know, potentially return to form. 
CK, what about you? Okay, so this is a bit of a this response is going to be a little. Uh, it's going to be like end over end, but basically, I saw a thread on Twitter last month that was about Steven Strasburg's mechanics. What he did a lot as a younger pitcher was like when he throws, he kind of creates like an inverted W, yep. like after in his mm-hmm. finishing stance. He did this a lot as a younger pitcher, and it's why he got hurt a lot. It's why he got shut down in 2012 postseason. And he started fixing it over the years, which is why his injury problems became less and less as he went through his 20s. And in 2019, Paul Menhard helped him correct it in such a fashion that he had his his best year ever as a pitcher. And what I really think happened to Strasburg, and I think this happened to Corbin too, was after they won the World Series, Paul Menhart left, and then the pandemic hit, they shut down spring training. And I think it really messed them up, especially Strasburg. Because if you notice his limited uh, his limited uh, sample size from 2020-2021, he reverted back to his problematic pitching stance and his mechanics from before they got fixed by Menhart. And basically the reason he's so injury prone is because this awkward inverted W he makes, makes him prone to wrist issues, arm issues, elbow issues, and shoulder issues, which explains with carpal tunnel in 2020 and thoracic outlet problems in 2021. The problems that his neck and his wrist were coming from his awkward stance, which was completely reverted back due to a lack of a proper pitching coach and because of the COVID break. So I think if he can fix this, that'll be fine. But what's problematic about it is it means Strasburg basically means a babysitter. So I don't have a crazy amount of faith that he will, but if he does, it'd be fantastic. Corbin, we all saw that Fangraphs article, his sliders extending too far, and that's causing the bulk of his issues because we can see he gets, throws the slider, gets behind in the count, panics, and starts just throwing meatballs down the middle, and they go into the stands. But I definitely have faith that Corbin can correct himself because if he can fix his slider, then he'll be just fine. And Strasburg needs an entire mechanics overhaul. So the concerns really are just their form. And if they can fix those, it might take longer than one offseason. But there is some degree of optimism. We just have to be patient. Yeah, that's a really interesting. That's a really interesting thing about his mechanics. Um, Obviously, you got to figure there's mechanical issues or he wouldn't have so many injuries. I am pessimistic about Strauss. Um, I love Strauss. I want, I want so badly for him to get back to normal. I want so badly for him to be good again Um, for Nats fans, of course, because it's good for the team, but also for him, like, I can't imagine how frustrating and this is for him and how upset he must be by all of it. But so many injuries over so many years, I just, even with mechanical changes, I just don't have any faith that he's ever going to be able to put it all back together which sucks on many levels, not least of which is the aforementioned albatross of a contract that he's signed to, because I don't think they're going to get any amount of value for that contract. I mean, he may come back and pitch again, but I don't think he's, I don't think he's ever going to be Strauss again. I hope I'm wrong, but if I had to make a prediction, that would be it. Um, Corbin, I, I think, as you pointed out, Tyler, he's not injured. He just is something's not clicking with him. So I have more optimism that he could put it back together um this season has just i mean he's just so bad <laughs> he's the worst literally i think era 6.04 yeah which is the worst the among qualified starters card. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and i read this today which cracked me up i saved it for the uh for the podcast tonight to share with you fine people he has the highest era of any nationals player who pitched at least 100 innings in a season since 2006 who even That's was in the rotation in 2006? I don't Don even Lannan. know. I'd have to. Don Lannan. Yeah. Levon Le- right. Hernandez. Oh my God. That's, wow. that's about it. That's all I got. That's all you got. John yeah, Lennon. Not a great pitcher there at the end. Great Twitter follow. Just throwing that out there. 
haven't thought that's about John a, Lennon. That's about all you can get <laughs> out like of 2006 14 years. So yeah, yeah, it's been a while. So I don't know. With Corbin, I do have, you know, he's got issues with that slider that if if other people can look at and um, diagnose, then hopefully the professionals in a major league baseball organization can also diagnose and help him correct. Um, I've seen some chatter about just shutting him down for the rest of the season. And I don't think that's a terrible idea. Like put him, give him a phantom injury and shut him down. Yeah. I could work. Yeah. Yeah. I just, to me, there's, what are we gaining here by seeing him? I think you're just destroying his confidence. So I'd be fine if they just shut him down and, and let some other no name pitchers come up and, and get a little major league experience. It would certainly go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say it's it's just one of those things where both of those guys are you. It's so funny because it's such a it's such a one eighty from where starting pitching's always been the strength of this team, and here we are. Scherzer's gone. Strauss has had season-ending injuries. Corbin is dreadful. And maybe we've got what Paolo Espino, and I forget there's some other guy. And uh, Joe Ross is uh, about Joe to have Joe Ross is about God. to have another Tommy Again. John. Thanks, oh, Dave. Got to mention Man. that. Yeah, that it's just so bad. I mean, the starting pitching situation is just the polar and complete opposite of what we've come to expect from this team in recent years. And, you know, that's another reason I think that they're not going to have any shot to be competitive next year. And that's perfectly fair. Uh, I was just about to mention Joe Ross. That's obviously a huge blow. It's a partial tear, which doesn't necessarily automatically mean Tommy John, but it's most likely Tommy John. You've already had. Tommy especially does. yeah especially if you had it before i mean i think the smart thing would be to get another tj but uh who, who knows what he's going to decide uniform is up yeah, yeah. which uh, i obviously am a huge joe ross fan so i didn't really want to talk about it um i have an idea and i ran it by our good friend matt wyrick and he didn't think i was crazy but he didn't think it would happen which makes me want it to happen uh, all the more Steven Strasburg, okay? Bear with me. With Cade Cavalli and Josiah Gray now in the wings, obviously Josiah is up. Cavalli projects to be up sometime in uh, 2022. If they can handle a 1-2 or a 2-3 in a rotation and Corbin can, let's just say, hover around a 4 ERA, which is serviceable. Obviously not what we paid for. Yeah, he can just not suck, but he can eat innings. God, I, I'm afraid to say eat innings because I think John Lester now, but I was about to say the yeah. same thing. I'm now traumatized by the phrase. But if Cavalli and Gray live up to the hype, is basically what I'm trying to say. You get, you know, a couple of free agents or wherever you find them to fill out the rotation. Steven Strasburg as a closer is not the craziest thing in the world. Wow. Obviously it would, you have to have your rotation in order to do something like that. Cause obviously if you're paying him another 200 million, you're going to need to get the most out of the investment possible. But with all the, the points CK laid out, obviously the laundry list of injuries that he's gone through in his career, both professionally and prior to, you know, his time with the Nats, limiting his innings in his workload, not the craziest thing in the world. It's just not. I think he can – I have faith that if he comes back, he, he can still be effective. However, I'm not sure if as a starter it's going to last, right? We don't know 
at, at any point, really, when he's back, if he comes back, but when he's back at any point, he could get hurt again. So if you limit the workloads and just say here an inning every third day, hey, God, that's I don't a lot think of money I, to pay for an inning every third and day. It's a, it's a lot of money, but granted, way two different teams. The Dodgers are doing it with David Price right now. Yeah. Kind of that's a di- true. grant. That's very, true. very different. Hey. Very different, you know, scenario roster. I think we've but actually seen not this before. unheard of. Like, go it's ahead. Not, that's what happened to John Smoltz, wasn't it? I'm not as familiar with like, but his... because he he's the only pitcher in history. With, I know uh, it was both. Wins and 150 saves, but I think what happened was he got hurt, and the Braves brought him back as a closer. So it's not completely insane. Not totally yeah. unprecedented, but it does yeah. feel like a kick in the nads to have somebody you expect to be your ace for sure a starter and you're paying a starter money to maybe get an inning every couple of days but you know if you if you've i mean the contract is done there's nothing you can do about it so it's better to get something out of him than nothing what did he end up getting like 245 245 245 so he's five and that was so that was so we're we're two years into that what's 245 so what's that like 35 million a year roughly Thirty-five million a year. Yep. Okay, so I think actually, no, no matter what, no matter how you break it down, it's not going to exactly. be. It's not going to be pretty. Yeah. It's just not going to be pretty. However, think of the deal like a four-year, <laughs> four four-year, hundred and fifty million dollar deal. Again, not pretty, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I, that still doesn't make it better. Yeah, that, no, it does. I realize that. <laughs> All right, let's let's make up a number here. Let's say it's like four year, a hundred million, which is so no twenty five million a year for a closer. For a closer, which isn't like absurd. It's not like I said. It's not pretty any way you break it down. But if he is a closer and an effective closer, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Because obviously, you're getting something out of the contract. Which right now, it doesn't look like we're going to get anything out of that contract. That's true. And I do. I have to dispute one thing about that, which is it would be the worst thing in the world. But it would be nice to get something instead of nothing. Yeah, I just looked it up. Um, Liam Hendricks signed a three-year, fifty-four million dollar deal with the White Sox. So I mean, you know, it's not. What was Jansen's off. deal? I mean, um, let me check uh, let's not talk about Kelly Jackson. Well, I know he's he's been cooked this year, but like the Nats were in on that deal, and he, I'm pretty sure he set kind of the the market, so to speak, for yeah. closers. I remember when he was Five good. Years, eighty million for James. I'm old enough to remember when he was good. Yeah. So it's I, like I said, it's not pretty. That's sixty million a year for Jansen. Yeah, and Strauss can be a, year, a closer. 54 on three years was 18 million a year, right? So still 25 yeah. million a year, still pretty ugly. Ugh. Listen, I'm trying to brainstorm. Yeah. I don't see any of you guys coming up with ideas to fix I mean, Steven Strasburg. The idea I mean, is I to bring it. Paul Menhart back. That fixes everything. <laughs> nah, I floated the same thing with Corbin, moving him to the bullpen, you know, if, if his stamina doesn't improve. But, you know, that's not the word. I mean, you have to get some kind of value out of him at this point, you know, rather than just letting him rot on the IL all year, every year, and making $35 million doing so. So yeah, right. that, one's, that one's tough to take. At least I love Strasburg, which makes it a little <laughs> bit easier. Like, I have, yeah. I have no So you're more willing to try. Corbin. Yeah. yeah, with Corbin, it's like let's move him to the bullpen, so I don't have to see him as much and as often. Right, like, exactly. Oh my so god! Often. I was so close to buying a Corbin jersey in like May of 2019 when he was balling out. I was just, 
One like of my greatest bullet there. Not getting that You saved your money yeah. wisely. Yeah. And like I, I wore I wore number 46 in high school. So when he came in wearing 46, I was like, oh, I'm probably gonna grab a jersey. And I was gonna grab a jersey. And I was like, nah. I'll tell <laughs> nah. you, I've got yeah. my last two jerseys <laughs> were Rendon and Turner. I, I'm betting zero. Oof. Don't buy a design yeah, gray jersey, please. Were Turner and Crossford, <laughs> so not that better. seems fair. That seems fair. I'll, I'll I'll refrain. In fact, I think I'm not gonna buy any named jerseys. I'm just gonna buy the ones with the blank blank on the back. Yeah, that's, money. that's probably then we moved to Oklahoma City. <laughs> that's probably my last the uh, number on the back, like those boomers do in their family. Yeah, with duct tape. I did I see saw a that worth one. jersey in a closet of a house I was showing the other day. Who was it? Oh, it's Lane Thomas. Isn't Lane Thomas wearing that number now? Yeah, he's wearing 28 now. Yeah, immediately yeah. favorite player. Immediately love Lane Thomas. <laughs> my by far my favorite player ever in Nats history. Just for doing that, I respect the hell out of it. I forgot. Kurt, right. Didn't Kurt Suzuki twenty eight? I don't think so. Yeah, did, did he? he? I, Where? I can't. I thought he did. he did. He did. He literally wore twenty eight in twenty nineteen. Yeah, he did. That's right. Nice. All right. Well, we don't talk about Kurt Suzuki on yeah, this podcast. We, so you <laughs> should <laughs> see what Angels fans think of Kurt Suzuki. Oh my God, he is an absolutely immensely cooked product. It Speaking so of funny. which. Speaking of the Angels and Cooked Products, uh, Adam Eaton, DFA today now for for now. the second time oh, now this season. Don't even talk about it. it. Nope. Next topic. Right next topic. <laughs> I know that made Nick so happy. Listen to him giggle. I mean, two <laughs> times in a year is just like imagine <laughs> having like Christmas twice a year. That, so that's much how it's on the wall. He's DFA right twice. The writing is literally right there on the wall. Like, do you think he's paid his mortgage yet? Well, we were just talking about work. <laughs> he, he probably has one career. now. He got released twice. Right. Well, worth ended his career playing for the Mariners and the Miners. I mean, just like uh, retire out of meeting, have some it. dignity. Well, worth had to continue playing to pay off all the, you know, legal fees he had for all of his troubles off the field. So DUIs. <laughs> Wasn't it just a speeding ticket? Was it a DUI? I thought it was like going a hundred on it the was, beltway or something. It was like reckless driving and DUI and stuff. Oh, I didn't yeah, know it was did, a DUI. I think he had at least one DUI. And then he tried to tell the cop, he's like, do you know who I am? And oh, like, that's the one. He that pulled one of those. Okay. He pulled a good oh old God. Tony Russo. To be fair, okay, if it was in Virginia, stuff. you'll get a reckless driving ticket for going 40 and a 60. So I can't blame 60 him entirely. 60 and a 40 though. Yeah, I think. I think anything 15 40s. over is reckless. 20. But in Virginia, it feels like yeah. five under is reckless driving. With Actually, no, I got, I got. Worth was going like 100 in the 60. So it's a Jesus. Different. I didn't even know that. Yeah. No, I was going 16 to 40 a couple months ago. I didn't get a reckless. Thankfully, I got, I did get a ticket, though. I don't know why I just told everyone that, but you know. Well, yeah, I was going to say that that's <laughs> terrible because now, like, we employ a criminal is basically like how the people perks are going to be. I don't think a speeding ticket makes one a criminal, Nick. That might if you break the law, you're a criminal. You're a criminal. Hey, that's the perks of me being the youngest person on Half Street of Haihi. I've never gotten pulled over. Knock on wood. Never gotten pulled over? I, I have also pulled over. About you also can't buy yourself a drink, over. so. I have a little bit of a leg foot, so <laughs> I, I have had a few speeding tickets in my life. On well, Amanda also puts eighty thousand miles on her car per month, so there's <laughs> plenty. There's much, like, but it's pretty close. there's more opportunity to get a speeding ticket. I was a little. I put Amanda. a little over fifty thousand miles on my car last year. All right, let's get let's get back on track. <laughs> That's a lot of driving. <laughs> All right, going forward with this team, obviously, there's a lot of questions, but some of the the pieces in place, obviously, Juan Soto, Mike Rizzo, we talked about a little bit. 
they're showing a replay of Trey Turner's awesome slide, which we didn't talk about, by the way, that, that slide. We're not talking about Trey Turner. I told you guys, I can't hear about, talk about, think about Trey (laughs) Turner. It hurts too much. Wow. All right. Anyways. So Juan Soto, Mike Rizzo, kind of the third pillar, so to speak, someone that will be in place going forward is Davey Martinez. I've seen a lot has changed from the 2019 playoffs, which is really where he earned his contract and earned an extension. Obviously you win a world series, you kind of deserve a second contract, uh, a concept foreign to that of the Washington capitals. Um, but <laughs> David Martinez has had some interesting decisions over his tenure as, as a manager. Do you guys have faith in his ability to manage? Do you trust him to get through this rebuild and kind of build up the camaraderie, but also coach these young guys to, uh, be effective and be leaders and be producers for this team. So, I mean, I actually tweeted about Davey during the game today. I mean, who didn't? The thing about Davey, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the thing about Davey, absolute world-class person, could not be a better human being. Great guy. Bad manager. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, some of his decisions, or just some of his de- a lot of his decisions just absolutely boggle the hell out of my mind. I'm just like, what is he doing? And, you know, it, it's just like, I, I keep wanting to see that improvement from him and I just don't see it. You know, I think he's fine to keep during a rebuild or retool because he's such a player's manager. You know, the guys love to see him playing for him and like, you know, it's easy to like keep morale up and stuff, you know, when you're losing team, when you have a guy like that, you know, in your corner, but unless he shows actual managerial improvement when the team is like about to be competitive again i honestly don't know if i trust him for at least for 2019 you know he did manage well in the playoffs but i still think the players won the world series in spite of him you know i i just i need to see more improvement from davy managerial wise to you know consider keeping him when the team is competitive again CK, I know you put out kind of the – this is where this question really came from, by the way, CK. I know you put out the, the question a couple weeks ago. I think yeah, it's right yeah. after the deadline. Where did you uh, inevitably fall on the Davey Martinez decision? So the poll I put out ended up 59-41 in favor of keeping him through the rebuild. And I really didn't clarify it. The question I was trying to look for was keep him through the rebuild. And and, and through, through means you keep him – through the rebuild and you keep them still when, you're when the team is competitive again. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. some people may have missed the mm-hmm. point on that, mm-hmm. so that might have changed the answer. But I kind of agree with Tyler on this one. He's a player's manager. He's great to keep around for that because it's hard to find players manager like player managers, especially you know guys like old man Tony Russo who throw their players under the bus and force them into retiring for twenty four hours. <laughs> but the world's shortest retirement. He he sucks as a as as. The things the manager needs to do, critical he's just thinker. not good at. He's not a good critical thinker. No, he throws people out there with no rhyme or reason. We have Sam Clay start going from the sixth inning to oh the seventh God. inning to the ninth inning, back to the seventh inning in the span of four games. And it's like, what are you doing? Pick a role and stick there. People in bullpen and a bullpen have roles. You don't just stick people out there when you feel like it. But that's also, a day off once in a while wouldn't be a bad idea. Yeah, exactly. Whatever, like, Instead of using Wonder Swero 80 times in 82 games. Like, yeah, no, I always envision the meme of Davey, like when he's doing his bullpen decisions of the two big red buttons. And then like one of them, Sam Clay, and one of them's Wander Swear. And he just, <laughs> just absolutely smacks it. It's like rolling dice. It, it feels like he just rolls dice. Like, he's yeah. an amazing human being. I love him. 
I wish him the best in, but he is not a long-term option. Shaq and I were discussing a couple of weeks ago some replacement options, and one name I really like is Mark Kotze. He's the third base coach for the Athletics. Like, I'm a big fan of his. Don, Don Kelly is a former player. He's the Pirates bench coach. He's another great name. So we have options to replace him in the coming years. So I don't see why he's going to stick around for much longer. Yeah, I think he's going to be around at least two more years. And, I, you know, I think we're all seem to be on the same page with this one. Which is how long his contract goes, just for the record. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know that they're going to, I don't think that, I don't think that they should extend his contract after it's over. I think he is absolutely the perfect manager for their current situation. You know, he's, he's as even keeled as it gets. He's, Hey, we'll get him tomorrow. Hey, all we need to see is improvement, you know, keep working hard and the results will come. All that stuff is exactly what these young guys need to hear. And it's exactly the attitude. That's the right attitude for a team in the situation where the Nats currently find themselves. So you know, I think right now in a time where truly the results don't matter, it doesn't matter if they win or lose games um, because, you know, as we all know, one bonehead manager decision can cost a team a game, but at this point it doesn't matter. And he's going to coach these, these young guys up and give them confidence. And I think he's absolutely the most perfect person we can have right now. And he's equally not the perfect, <laughs> as, as good as he is to be the person right now, he's that much not the right person once they get competitive again. I think, you know, you guys both mentioned already that he just doesn't, it, it's the the decisions in the moment where it feels like he's just going with his gut all the time. And he'll even say that in the post games, oh, I was just went with my gut or, you know, it's just my hunch or whatever, you know, whatever it is, the phrase that he uses, but I you, like know, you the can't, matchup. You can't manage that way. Like <laughs> oh you, God, I like the matchup. Yeah, that is, sure that is his go-to. I like the matchup. matchup. I know it makes me anymore. like it. It makes my head spin when I hear it. I'm like, he ah! says, as Paolo like, Espino bats with runners on second and third. Like, <laughs> oh God, oh, I turned the game off. I know. Today I was listening and I was like, like what? Decision just absolutely fried me. Me too. I was just like, what, are, he, what is happening he, right now? He replaces Espino anyways. Like, just and it's not the first time he's done that. Absolutely bombs on me. Both. no yeah. it's not the first time he's done it's that. not it's not like that's right. an aberration so again and i will agree with everybody else who said it he is a fantastic person he's absolutely seems like a grade a terrific per human being but you know i feel like what happened in 2019 and everybody says that he won a world series and i'm not saying it's easy to win a world series but a lot of the struggles that the Nats had early in the 2019 season, not all of them, obviously there was a lot of player performance issues, but there were a lot of managerial decisions that were questionable would be a euphemistic way to describe some of the decisions that were made in the 2019 season. He, he managed his ass off in the postseason. It was the best he ever did, but he also was using some of the best pitchers in baseball out of his bullpen. It wasn't like, you know, he, he made some unbelievable managerial decisions that, that, you know, stole a game or something. It, it's just, people get so sentimental about, oh, we love Davey. He won us a world series. I will be forever grateful for the world series. It's one of the most awesome things that ever happened in my sports fandom, but you don't hang on to a manager forever who clearly isn't the guy. And I think he's perfect for this year and next year. And then after that, I think they need to find another option. Right. You exclude that uh, one blowout World Series game, and you get he used eight pitchers the entire postseason. He used right. Scherzer, Strasburg, Corbin, Sanchez, Joe Ross for one game, then Rainey, Hudson, and Doolittle. That was that was it. That was right. it. Yep. And those guys were all yeah, no one else pitching out of their minds at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. 
Anybody else Sanchez is almost throwing a no-hitter will forever be burned in my mind as one of the greatest things I've ever seen as greatest a baseball fan. God, he ever. he can't even get a job now game. two years later. Well, he's also he like 39. So. I thought he was yeah. going to sign with the team. I remember he was he's working out in the offseason. Wow, he never thanks, did. Tyler. That's cool. He might as well be dead. He's 39. God. <laughs> in baseball years, that's very old. I know. I'm just Yeah. <laughs> With I, don't, I don't get older anymore anyway i only celebrate anniversaries <laughs> with my 29th birthday so <laughs> yeah with, with davy though tyler hit the nail on the head like it, it's he, he did enough to win us the world series but he didn't win us the world series it, it's more like he didn't lose us the world series which is valuable in its own right obviously world series is world series flags fly forever but that world series was one on the back of the the star talent as both tyler and ck have talked about like you don't have that now. And I think that's perfectly summarized by the last, I think it was 12 games. Six of those have been lost by one run. Like obviously this stretch of baseball we're playing isn't great. Obviously isn't when you lose, <laughs> when you lose a 10 of, or uh, win, only win 10 of 40, it's not great, but the Nats have been uh, low key competitive. They've been scrappy. They just haven't been able to get over the hump. And really that, small difference comes down to managerial decisions, whether it's matchups, whether it's when you use guys, how long you use guys, the lineup, when you decide to pinch hit. Amanda, you you love to say you like the NL because of the strategy. Well, that's really Davey Martinez's weak point mm-hmm. is the strategy. He's a great players manager, and uh, I can't remember who, who said it, but that's a very valuable thing. I think in baseball and sports in general, you have more ba- more managers that are hated than liked by the players. And sometimes that's good because the manager can kind of just take that like CEO boss role and they don't Mm -hmm. have to be everyone's friend. Right. Or they can be, you know, everyone's best friend. And sometimes that really works. Davey seems to be the latter. It works sometimes, but it doesn't work other times. And I think the mindset is perfect for a rebuild because it's, as we've been saying, a pressure-free rebuild. It's let's get the most of what we can do and go forward. But is Davey the guy to get the most out of a T-Boom, out of, uh, I mean, shoot, a Robles? Like, I'm not sold on that. Or a Juan Soto, you know? or, or Yeah, or even a Juan Soto. That's perfect. Yeah, like, I don't, I'm not sold on that. I don't think he's the worst option. It's just, like, he he's serviceable until we find someone better. I think the one mistake the Nats could make, though, in a managerial decision or a uh, hypothetical manager managerial decision is getting rid of Davey Martinez without having someone else in their minds to replace him. Like CK named a couple of options. Don't get, a, get rid of Davey Martinez before you have another definitive option ready. Like, yeah, I just great. don't, great I don't point. think there, there's a reason to, unless you have a, you know, I won't say proven because there's really no such thing as an available proven manager. I mean, shoot, we were clamoring for Joe Girardi for years, and then now he's managing the Phillies. And oh my God, yeah, I mean, that's that's it's not quite it's not quite as bad as uh, CK's Patrick Corbin as a Cy Young contender take, but it's one of my it's one of my worst takes is Joe Girardi should be the Nats manager. So. No, I, I, I just think cake. you're not alone. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the Nats just need to be smart about it. But I, I don't think Davey Martinez is 
is necessarily the right guy, but he's not necessarily the wrong guy either. It's like that, this weird middle. He's not the worst option by any stretch. And I, I hope people don't take that. We'll, we'll probably hear lots from people. Yeah. People are not going to like this, but that's the point of a round table is just kind of like throw everything out there. It just depends how much you value clubhouse attitude versus the game strategy, because that's like, a decision you have to like make as a GM. Exactly. Because the truth is the clubhouse attitude is affects you just as much as the strategy, even though it doesn't appear as tangible, but it's definitely a trade-off. Yeah, that's a great point. And you know, it, there's something to be said, we just talked about with the 2019 team, you know, maybe they overcame any managerial, you know, mistakes or, you know, bad decisions, however you want to describe them. What you've got that kind of talent, maybe, you know, maybe the clubhouse can be more important because, you know, that kind of clubhouse attitude because you have the talent to overcome any kind of, you know, mediocre managerial type stuff, but in a team without that kind of, that kind of star power, without that kind of talent, you know, bad managerial decisions become much more important. You know, if a bad managerial decision costs you a run, but your offense can score five more in the game, it doesn't really matter. If your bad managerial decision costs you a run and your team can overcome that, then it's a different situation. It also, it's going to become more important as this team gets more competitive. Like these young guys, they haven't really had a taste of being competitive. Obviously, you know, they're getting their biggest shot when the Nats are not competitive. So when the Nats do get competitive again, and then let's say Davey starts blowing games, they're not going to like that. So, you know, Davey needs to grow with this team. He can be the guy to, uh, you know, lead this team once we're competitive again, but he needs to grow himself as well as obviously these young guys like Kivum Garcia, Josiah Gray, Kate Cabali, all these people we hope to uh, lead us into the future. But the guy we hope to really lead us into the future and then the guy the Nats have highlighted as the guy, to no surprise, is Juan Soto. And I think the perfect way to kind of wrap up this roundtable is to talk about the inevitable decision or reality we're going to have to face with a Juan Soto free agency. He's going to hit free agency. I don't see a world where the Nats kind of outbid themselves to extend him like they did with Strasburg. Boris is going to take Juan Soto into free agency. I think that's pretty much a foregone conclusion. Do you have faith that the Nats will lock him up? No. No. I don't have faith. No. <laughs> no. Absolutely I don't not. have faith, but like, I hope they see that they made mistakes in the past and that, you know, they can correct them. You know, Bryce Harper is one thing because they had Juan Soto waiting in the wings. I still think they should have resigned Bryce Harper, but you know, they, they did have Juan Soto. Can you imagine what an upgrade Harper would have been over Adam Eaton in 2019? Oh my God. We would have won the division and the world series. I don't know why people keep saying that we wouldn't have won it with Bryce Harper. Anyway. um, Yeah. That's idiot. Well, I, I honestly think, you know, obviously Juan Soto is going to come in a absolutely humongous contract. That's, probably going to be record-breaking i i just don't see you know how they can proceed by letting him go i feel like that would just completely piss off the fan base they would lose a lot of ticket sales um you know because you're, you're proving to your fans that you can't keep your star players so they're going to say you know what's the point why should i buy you know this player merchandise why should i get a soto jersey why should i why should i do any of this if these players aren't going to be here forever and i know that for a fact and I honestly think, you know, with this retool and everything, and, you know, the quote from Rizzo that said this organization is now going to follow Juan Soto, 
I, I expect him to go to free agency. I don't have faith that the Nats are going to retain him, but I honestly think it's an abject failure if the Nats let Juan Soto wear another uniform. I think you're right. CK, what do you think? Yeah, I got to agree with that point. He's a Boris client. What Boris position player doesn't go to free agency? He's he People don't like him for a reason, and that's because he's good at his job at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. He represents, I feel like, half of Major League Baseball star players. And we just had Kiebert Ruiz signed with them too. So it's like, oh Lord, we're going to be doing this again. Yeah, here we go again. But the Nationals have a great relationship with Boris Corp. And I really hope that even if Soto does hit the market, the Nationals end up, I'll take a bidding war. I don't care. Give Juan Soto a blank check worth nine zeros. See, but he deserves won't. all the money. That's in the, the thing. World. He's going to hit yeah. free agency. And the Nats won't he sign will him. He will hit they free have... agency. They've... Exactly. The Nationals He's... sign him. It's a bidding war. Yeah, they won't sign him though. Yeah. They've shown us over and over and over again they're not going to pay top dollar for a position player. And in this case, I don't even, you know, Tyler, you just said it would be an abject failure if they don't re-sign him. And I totally get that point of view, but I don't think, I don't think there's any chance of it. I really don't. I, I feel like we all know mm-hmm. Boris is going to take him to free agency and the Nats, unless they're going, there comes a point, like, is there an amount that's too much? Is there an amount where you say you're hamstringing the rest of your organization? I feel like there is, I feel like there is a, a number beyond which you don't want to go because, you know, if you're the Dodgers or the Yankees or somebody who truly doesn't care how big your payroll gets, then fine, do what you got to do to get a guy like Juan Soto. But if you're an organization, like we know the learners are going, we know the learners are not going to go above a certain threshold for their payroll on a regular basis. And if you sign Juan Soto, if he hits and gets a record-breaking half a billion dollar contract, like, are you willing to have the team as fa- as a fan base, would you rather have your team suck because you can't build around a guy like Juan Soto, but you want to keep a guy like Juan Soto, or would you rather let that go and sign I some more would, people? I would try to do. Yeah, I would try to see if you can do what the Phillies did with Bryce Harper and extend the years away out because Soto's going to hit free agency what when he's like twenty six years old, twenty five years old, twenty twenty five. So if you, yeah. Yeah, so he's he's if you give him the four hundred million plus, but let's say this might sound insane, fifteen plus years or fifteen, sixteen years, if you can spread out the AAV and give yourself that flexibility to keep building around him, then yes. I, I think you do have a point where yes, like a huge contract like that could hamstring you. But I honestly think, you know, Juan Soto is just a generational player that is absolutely worth that money. You know, I, I haven't seen a bat as good as his, like. Yeah. He's literally Ted, like, like Ted he's the best hitter I mean, since Ted Williams. Yeah. Yeah. He's on he's, pace to be. Yeah. Like I understand. Like I, like I said before, I wanted to re-sign Bryce Harper. So bad. He's my favorite player ever. Juan Soto's three times the player Bryce Harper is. I mean, he's just a once in a lifetime player that you just can't, see walking away like when Mike Trout was two years away from free agency or whatever there's like there, there's no way the Angels are going to let him go and everybody knew that and then he signed the record-breaking extension so I mean I completely expect you know Soto hit free agency and I completely expect the abject failure that they're not going to sign him but I'm I absolutely think he's worth every single penny but that's that a really interesting question it's like look at Mike Trout as an example okay the Angels are not going to spend they, they kept him right there. And that's what their fan base wanted. And everybody's happy. He's still there, but they're not going to be the amount of money they spent on him there. You know, the team can't be competitive. They won't spend enough beyond that to make the team competitive. And I, that's my worry about what for the Nats, we know the learners are not 
that we know they don't like to spend beyond the, the luxury tax threshold. So if they do manage to sign Soto to a huge contract, but then they spend the next seven, eight years after that being cheap with all the pieces they put on the team because of the amount of money they have sunk in Juan Soto, is that preferable? I mean, I, I feel, I love Juan Soto. I want him to be a national forever, but if he is a national forever at what cost, like, is it, is it better as a Nats fan? Would you rather have Juan Soto, but not have a team that can win another world series? Or would you rather have, you know, that money spread around and a team that can win? I don't know. It's just, I, I worry that if they sign Soto to a humongous contract, that they'll be too cheap to spend enough money to, to be competitive. I don't think the angels are the best comp, uh, because the angels They're spend not. money, they just don't spend it wisely. Yeah, I was <laughs> that's a very say, good point. They spend it in the wrong places. They're the anti nats They spend then, all their money yeah. on position players, and yeah, they get and they never have the pitching. pitching. And, that's, you know, and then they draft twenty really pitchers. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, like, they have twenty-three million to Justin Upton. They have what, like, thirty million to Rendon. They're still paying yeah. Albert Pujols. They mm-hmm. actually paid Albert Pujols like thirty million dollars to yeah. go play elsewhere. They're paying, you know, thirty-six million to Mike yeah. Trout. How much They're, is Otani uh, going to have to get paid in a couple of years? Uh, I mean, Otani, oh, yeah, it's a couple oh years God. away. Yeah. But Otani's deal. Well, first of all, he's only making three million dollars this deal, which is just absurd. Right. Was he so was he posted or did he come here on? A, was he posted? He was posted. Uh, he's yeah, yeah, he's arbitration one right right now. But gotcha. Um, with Otani, that that might. I don't think he's going to uh, do both pitch and hit for that much longer. So we'll see what happens when he's a, a free agent, but yeah, the angels spend is just, they're not really competitive because they don't spend in the right places and they've never had pitching. I mean, Jared, uh, Jared Weaver might still be their ace for all, you know, <laughs> intents and purposes. And he hasn't pitched in like five years. So uh, you, you can do it in a way where it wouldn't hamstring your team. But, but would they? I don't feel like they would. I think they would because mainly that is based on the opinion that the Nats won't be all that competitive for the next three years. And if you're not all that competitive for the next three years, your ticket sales are going to drop. Your merchandise is going to drop. You know, you're not going to get national games. You hell, you might not even get like playoff revenue because who knows if you're even going to make the playoffs. So if that bottom dollar starts dropping and dropping and dropping, Signing Juan Soto to a long-term deal is a way to kind of offset that. Obviously, Juan Soto is worth the deal, so oh, you're going you're going to be you're going to have him as a building block to build other pieces around him. I don't know what a contract would look like. Obviously, if he wins an MVP in the next three years, which is highly possibly or highly possible, then obviously that number shoots up. But something like a fourteen-year Hold on, I can do math. Like four hundred fifty dollars, four hundred fifty dollars. Take it, four hundred fifty. Yeah, four hundred fifty million. If he continues the pace he's on, yeah, I would definitely yeah. give him that. I really Some, would not be surprised. Like I really would not be surprised if he ends up making half a billion by the time he hits free agency. Yeah, the market. I mean, Lindor got three hundred forty-one million dollars. Yeah, so, so possible at this point. You think he would? He was probably going to beat Trout's, which was twelve for four twenty-six. Um, so. You know, maybe yeah, fourteen for four fifty something around there is what I'm expecting, and that's going to be like thirty nine. Quick math, um, which is a lot, but 
the Nats will kick in their deferrals. They can spread out the money. And Corbin contract ends when Juan Soto hits free agency. Yeah, thank you. That's exactly the, the point convenient. I was gonna. That's what I was gonna bring up. So we're talking 2020, heading into 2026 here. Corbin's contract's done. Um, Scherzer only would have one more year of deferrals past that because the Dodgers picked up the 2028 deferrals, which is 15 million. So it's no small, you know. Yeah, it's a big lump of change. change. Right. So yeah, so you're still paying Strauss in, in that, you know, future, which. It isn't ideal, but it's not the end of the world. You can do it. The way they do it and be competitive is to obviously have a lot of young, cheap talent. So we're probably looking at another fire sale or sale at the deadline to kind of boost our farm system even more, unless we have another <laughs> like Bryce Harper, Anthony Rendon, uh, or Juan Soto come up through the wings, maybe like a Brady house or some other prospect we get, like it would have to take something like that, but you can do it. It's just going to take a lot of if someone financial like maneuvering comes up, then them waiting in the wings will be the excuse for why they don't pay Soto. That's also a fair point, Yeah, but it'll be that way. And, and maybe I'm just being pessimistic about the Soto situation because I'm preparing myself emotionally for his inevitable departure. But I just, you know, you just laid out a scenario in which you can do it. But it reminded me of, of in this past offseason, Nick, where you talked a lot about they have all of these what ifs and all of these things that have to go right and all of these guys that have to bounce back and have, you know, better seasons. It was like all these things had to go right in order for it to work. Obviously, that didn't happen, but that's what this feels like to me. Like you have to have, well, if this happens and if this happens and if that happens and if they do this, then maybe they can resign Soto. It just feels like a long shot to me. And that's perfectly fair. I just think, granted, I, I've used them as an example a couple of times, wildly different scenarios, but the Dodgers have built their team into a team that's not full of what ifs, but a lot of that is timely trades. They traded for Mookie Betts, but they also had like, he's he's been stinking le- lately, but Cody Bellinger, Max Muncie pan out. So it's yeah. like, yeah, like obviously you can't do it all through free agency. You can't do it all through trades. You can't do it all through, you know, That's a farm a system, but a, a combination and a willingness to spend. Right. And part of that Dodgers, is a $285 million payroll. But the, the Nats are, the, yeah, the Nats yeah. are always willing to spend. It, they don't always spend in the right, right places. They're going to have a couple of Albatross contracts now, but the, the willingness to spend has always been there. And I think them going through this rebuild is going to open their eyes to, Hey, like we in the, you know, the 2010s were willing to do what needed to be done to win a world series. We did it now in the 2020s, we now need to do what needs to be done to win again. Cause by the time Soto hits free agency, you're seven years removed from a world series. Doesn't matter at that point. It's, It's all about what have you done for me lately? Look at the Royals. The Royals won in 2015. Nobody cares. This feels like forever ago. Nobody God, cares. Six that the years Royals, ago. <laughs> nobody cares that Royals won a World Series. That's what we're going to be looking God at. Bless them. Nobody except Nats knows. fans care that the Nats won two years. Right. Ago. But that's what the learners, <laughs> that's what the learners will be feeling in 2025, yeah, 2026. You're absolutely right. So it's like if they've been willing to go out all out and do it once, I have faith, maybe not expect them to, but I have faith that they will be willing to do it again. And I hope. It, that would start with a Juan Soto because obviously you can do much, much worse than a, a Juan Soto for the yeah. rest of you his obviously, career. You honestly can only do worse. You can't really do better. So yeah. Yeah. But 
And, and, you know, definitely there were a lot of what ifs coming into the season, but that was also in large part due to all the one year deals that they had. They had a lot of expiring deals that weren't going to be around for much longer. So it's like, of course, it's going to be what ifs. It's not always the case. This was really the first year we had to experience that. So definitely a different kind of season. Oh, very, very much so. And just, uh, it's always entertaining to see people's reactions to uh, the current state of the Nats, just like the outrage over a rebuild. Just, I mean, OPT got, got his fan card yeah. revoked today. So, oh my I God. mean, OPT did. Oh my God, that of, was so funny. What did I miss? I was working all day. Tell me what I missed. Uh, so I, I don't know who. Uh, he said it, it was, was Ladies of Nationals Baseball. Yeah. I, I didn't say it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've been accused of saying speaker. stuff about them on the show that I didn't say. I definitely didn't say that. I just want the record to reflect. I did not say that, <laughs> but OPT got his, his fan card taken because he was okay with the net selling in, in order to rebuild. He was in favor of rebuild. And apparently that makes you a bad fan. So he got his fan card revoked, but it's always uh, entertaining to see, people's reactions because they've never gone through rebuilding their uh, a post 2012 nationals fan. Yep. You know, I was like, Nick knows how I like, spoiled. So, yeah, for sure. Nick knows how I like to always end the show talking about the capitals. So I'm going to do that again now, which is, can you imagine when the, the caps finally reach the point where they can't be competitive anymore? Like that's even more than the Nats. They already the caps did. Have been, yeah. But they haven't like, they haven't torn it down. Yeah, it's you know not I mean? rebuild and, level. Right, it's not rebuild level. It's, it's, just, it's mediocrity level. <laughs> it is. Well, I'm yeah, the I mean, they're still making the playoffs. The season, yeah, I would say making the playoffs every year is above mediocrity, but it's not. But they're, they're, I feel like they're it's Washington because they're not making level. any noise. <laughs> yeah, I totally yep. agree. I mean, three yep. first round exits is not ideal. I'm just yeah, saying the point is this same fan base is also the Capitals fan base. And can you imagine the caterwauling? when the Capitals finally tear it down because it's going to have to happen at some point. Although OBG yeah, yeah, football football now. Yeah. The DC sports fans just are not very like accepting when it comes to change when they're sport, no. their sports teams, they, they just, they can't accept it. I feel like I brought up is. about a certain co-host being reluctant to change on the show. So it's just funny. You guys mentioned that. Oh, a certain co-host. <laughs> yeah, very, mm, very subtle. Very subtle, Nick. NLPH, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, yeah. So I, I, this fan base is definitely going. It's there are a lot of different reactions from a lot of different corners of the fan base right now to what we're seeing, and I have a feeling a lot of the more casual fans are just going to check out while they while they're this bad, which is fine. I they mean, already that's, are. That's kind of the nature Good. of the game. You know <laughs> what I mean? You've got diehards. There's a reason why you know, cities with teams that have sucked forever, you know, they have a smaller fan base, but they're fiercely, insanely loyal because you have to be to follow a team when it's at its worst. Don't subtweet the Maple Leafs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or the Pirates. You could, Pirates of fans? <laughs> I think there are a few. There are a there few. Are a few. Anyway, it's uh, it's it's going to be, I think, a, a smaller group for the next couple of years. And then when they get good again, you know, that the fans will come back. It's just the nature of the game. And that's fine. Honestly, it doesn't and we us. will have the receipts. Yes, that's what has to be. Fairweathers will be returning. <laughs> yeah, the Internets are forever. 
This is true. This is true. <laughs> All right, guys. I think that was a pretty successful first round table. So thank you. Yeah, guys thanks for, for coming, coming on, on, guys. Do yeah, you guys no have uh, anything no else? Anything to plug before uh, before we head out? Uh, I'm just gonna say, uh, hopefully, I'm just gonna say, hopefully, we get some time. We get some more uh, external uh, people, you know, some non-astronaut people on to talk about because. We're pretty much all in agreement on a lot of things, so hopefully we get some more, more uh, dissenting opinions. It's well, been... that, that's fair, but I also I didn't mind it being a half street high heat roundtable to start, just because you know obviously, like I said, you guys have been on the pod before, and it's kind of we got to talk to you guys about how yeah, the season has played out. Yeah. And C- CK, yeah. you were, you know, I've gotten to know you more over the season, but you were very Homer uh, at, at the start of the season. You had very high yeah. hopes for the Nats. So. I had very high hopes for the Nats. Homer's, this Homer's in the house. I'm, I'm here with you. <laughs> so, but that, that's what I'm saying. That's why I liked having you you back on, um, just because you you came around, and we're happy to have you. And that's mugged what it comes by down reality. To. And plus, yeah, Ryan <laughs> Ryan's not on tonight's episode, so we had to have Tyler on, who is probably more toxic <laughs> than Ryan is. So, Tyler's always me sometimes, I embrace, dude. I embrace the toxicity on Twitter.com. Like, <laughs> it is just so funny. Like, just making people upset on that app. Like, greatest I mean, feeling. People do people, get upset on that app. It's true. Pe- story. People nowadays aren't old enough to remember Soto season. I remember Soto season oh, and oh my all, God, that, you know, all that came with it. You know, you know, those were some, those are some different times I would say, but you know, I'm a changed man. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was I, immature I think, back then. You know, <laughs> let's just say yeah, when I you was know, young and irresponsible, I was young and irresponsible. <laughs> yeah. You know, I went through the five stages like the Nats. <laughs> yeah. But you know, <laughs> Well, I've already thrown in my my capitals bit, so I think I'm good. I got nothing else. Okay, all right. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure you're good on your, your hockey talk on a baseball podcast. Yes, got to do it. Got to do it. I figure the fan base is largely overlap. It works. All right. <laughs> all right, all right, guys. Be sure to follow Tyler and CK at non roster invite and at CK Naim fifty eight. Thanks, right. sir. Follow Amanda, I guess, if you want to. Uh, at a white seven eight seven seven. Follow me at Nationals Ace and follow the show at Half Street High Heat. Check out the website. We, we've been a little uh, slack on the articles. Life's gotten crazy, but we're gonna start pumping them back out whenever uh, CK, CK decides to get back to work. Um, we'll, we'll have should more. be soon. Should be soon. I start school. <laughs> I start Damn, school in eight days. So. So you'll have school to avoid and then there'll be more articles. Yeah, pretty much. Although, I mean, your articles feature Patrick Corbin, Cy Young contender. So wow. maybe don't talk about the, that tonight. Huh? Talk about the ALP. Uh, you are ruthless right now, dude. <laughs> Seriously, ask the American him, League piece I have Nick is even when worse. we're going to get his best, his top 10 uh, stadiums in the. <laughs> <laughs> I'm building Park is number one. It's no big I'm deal. I'm building suspense. <laughs> Amanda, it's more than uh you've written for the site. It's true. It's true. I have not written anything for the site. Hey, even I had an article. You know, I had to fill in exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That that one time Tyler but, decided to contribute but, to Half Street High. I was in, I can say wow, I was in, <laughs> yeah. I was on vacation. I can say we, while we're on the pod. On the I can definitely say my next piece will be will coming in the next couple of weeks, hopefully. I'm going to be providing a timeline for the Nationals off uh rebuild. And maybe it'll turn some heads. So keep a look for that. Ooh, it'll I'm definitely be out by the end of August, but I will be back soon enough. Cool. I'm Love just it. messing with you guys. <laughs> Ryan's Ryan's not here, so I someone has to do it. <laughs>
a little ball busting. We're, we're sponsored ball by busting. Manscaped. We have oh, to have some yeah. ball you're, talk. You're, you're, you're perfectly Manscaped ball busting segment. <laughs> um, all right. That'll do it. On first round. First round table in the books. We'll have more of these throughout the rest of the season and in off season. So be on the lookout. But until next time, appreciate you guys coming on. We'll talk to you guys later. Later. Yep. Go Nafs. Not really. Embrace the tank. Embrace the tank, <laughs> embrace, baby. Em- embrace the tank. There's a new breeze blowing off the banks of the Potomac. A new team's mowing down the ranks of their opponents. The Nationals are smashing balls so that the commentator who has the cause has passed the wall to see you later. The early light of dawn, well, you can see they're running scared. Cause the kinds of bombs we're launching are bursting in the air. Tell the Library of Congress that they might not wanna look. Cause we're putting curly W's in every book. Let's go, Nats. We've got a game to play. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.